Hey, this is Hunter Henry of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game ball. Hey, cool, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is at the full 10 yards at Fantasy Football Podcast. Rookie drafts and Denise's startups are taking place all over the shop and no doubt many of you have uh, multiple in the queue. Uh, so we can be talking about some winners and losers from the NFL draft from a fantasy perspective. We're going with three flex positions today as, I, uh, as it's myself and our first guest is the hype train conductor himself, James Fothering at NFL Hype Train. Uh, James, I suppose it's not too far away now before we start buying some, uh, some early bird tickets. Yeah, get your advances in early. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Sean is the uh, the third of our dangerous trio. Sean, how are we doing, buddy? I'm not too bad, mate. Yourself, been a long time since me and you've been on a pod together, bud. It has, it has. It's a welcome return, a welcome return. It's like the free, the free amigos. Um, yeah, it was obviously today's podcast is all about fantasy football. It's all about uh, play, players that have won or teams maybe that have won and lost since the NFL draft that happened not so long ago now. Although it already seems like a distant future. Just before we get into that, though, a bit of a, a kind of an opening question for both of you. I put towards both of you, um, rookie drafts. Obviously, some of the, you, you've you've obviously been in one or two, perhaps. Um, is there any any players, James? We'll start with you. Any players that you you seem to be getting a lot of share of shares of, uh, whether it's intentional or not. Well, I've only been mocking so far, so a lot of the leagues I'm in uh, tend to do their rookie dress a little bit later on down the line. But um, I think from everything I've seen so far, players like Zach Moss uh, at Buffalo for the Bills might be one of the guys who I end up drafting quite a bit. I think he, he may be a bit of a one-two punch with Singletary, and I think if you want some value early on that's kind of usable, he may be an interesting option. Um, I mean, to be fair, I've kind of snooped myself in honestly because I've got so many, sold so many first round picks. <laughs> so I'm having to, I'm having to do the deep digging, but um, yeah, a lot of them are playing the long game, but yeah, Zach Moss is one of those that's kind of interesting. If you want a little bit of a chance of some relevance early on. Yeah, interesting. Um, uh, Zach Moss is some guy I'm kind of avoiding. Actually, he's um, he's just got him under my rookie draft standard scoring. Probably what pick two seven, I think two oh seven. Um, which I've been getting him in the third. Time. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't mind taking a stab at, at that at that price. But yeah, certainly standard scoring. I, I prefer Zach Moss, but maybe not. Um, maybe not PPR. Sean, have you you done any draft yet? No, yeah, mate. Pretty much uh, similar to what James just said there. Just having a sort of bit of a play around with it so far. So. Uh, I'll be waiting for the advice from you guys as the experts, to be honest, mate, before I start delving into the, the real world. Yeah, we get get a couple in just before we do the, the full 10 yards dynasty, uh, dynasty start, are they? Uh, but, Absolutely, yeah. mate. Absolutely. I, think, I, I think I'm so currently through four. That. Yeah, I see. It's going to be good, isn't it? Um, but we'll do that very soon indeed. Um, yeah, I think I must have done, well, this is, well, I'm probably in the middle of a fourth draft, I think, for, for four of my leagues. But um, yeah, I seem to be getting like, quite a lot of Cam Akers and a lot of uh, Michael Pittman. Uh, Cam Akers is usually middle of the middle of the, towards the end of the first. And um, Michael Pittman generally he's creeping up a little bit actually quite a lot of people taking him early second as well um he's obviously about a usc but um, yeah uh, for, some, for some reason as well i've unknowingly knowingly taken a lot of justin herberts which is hasn't been intended um but he always seems to be there and get get decent value so hopefully he can see the field a bit sooner rather than later and uh Al's tyrod taylor up but let's uh, let's talk about uh, let, let us know obviously your thoughts uh, for f10 y fantasy on the twitter let us know uh, what your your winners and losers from the draft obviously 
uh, any fallout from the guys that we've we've got lined up or anyone anyone that you've been trying to target or or avoid in uh, rookie drafts that are say that are going on uh, up and down the country and all across the globe i suppose um let's take a little look at some winners then uh, we start off with you james obviously you've got we've got a couple of qbs here lined up so we'll start with you you've got uh, the denver the denver signal caller yeah, I think Drew Locke's come out of this pretty well. I mean, any draft where your sort of first pick is Jerry GB is always going to go quite well. But they backed that up with KJ Hamler as well. So they've they've built that offense as a bit of a we're going to take it to Kansas City effectively. The AFC West is going to be quite tasty, I think. And you know, with with an offense that's well locked and loaded, to use the pun that everyone else has been using so far. Um, he must be feeling like Christmas. You've got, so in terms of in the backfield, Melvin Gordon, Lindsay Ambrose, Freeman are all still there. You've got Cameron Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, and still Deshaun Hamilton at receiver as well. Noah Fant coming up very good at tight end. An offensive line that's still reasonably decent and a defense that's not horrific. And, pro, you know, Vic Fangio, I still think, is more of a defensive minded coach. Uh, so he will help out on the back end as well. The offense might be able to just run itself with that talent. So yeah, I think, and with Flacco now out of the room as well, he's not got that dragging him down or worrying him. So he's very much on his own out there up front and it's going to take quite a lot for them to pull him. So yeah, I think he's a big winner out of this. Yeah, I, I, I certainly agree. I think um, the one thing with Drew Locke as well, whilst he's he's a winner, he could be a massive loser if he doesn't take that that step forward uh, this year as well. So he's got all the weapons. They've added a few pieces to the offensive line. Okay, it's not you know, was it Graham Glasgow and um, the other guy's name escapes me. But um, yeah, if if Drew Locke isn't able to put it together, it could be quite detrimental to his. Uh, to his value going forward and we all know the history of, of um, John Elway's selecting quarterbacks so um, yeah let's just let's hope that Drew Locke uh, kind of bucks the trend on that but he did look really promising towards the end of last season like he was starting to get a few things together and I say with uh, with Joe Judy there and, and Cortland Sutton on the other side certainly um, you know Cortland Sutton's going to get a bit of help as well so Cortland Sutton as, as well is a kind of an offshoot winner uh, from that as well but I'm going to, I'm going to keep it at the, at the quarterback position I've gone uh, Dak Prescott obviously because I'm a homer um, you know this is a guy that is perennially underrated in, in fantasy but I think that that kind of changes this year I think you'll see him starting to be drafted as QB 5, 4, 5, 6 maybe even some you know, some leagues might be the, the third after Mahomes and, uh, and Lamar Jackson but QB4 last year, obviously every year since, since he's been in the league, he's, he's been a top 10 quarterback in, in fantasy. He's fifth in points per game last season. Uh, and that was despite three weeks of point, uh, points of 8.6, 7.9 uh, and 11.3. Just shy of 5,000 yards last year in terms of passing. Uh, and has a bit on the ground as well. Three touchdowns and 277 yards. Um, so it's, it's, it's the perfect kind of scenario for, for, for him, obviously with the addition of C.D. Lamb. So you've got a, a brutal trio there of, of you know, Gallup, Amara Keeper and C.D. Lamb. Um, and you know, the beneficiary of that is going to be Dak Prescott. It's, it'd be interesting to see your guys' thoughts, uh, whether or not C.D. Lamb, Amara Keeper and Michael Gallup are winners and losers as well. And we'll get to that in a minute. But you know, as a, as a signal caller who can do a bit on the ground as well and, and say rushing a few touchdowns and has a decent... Um, red zone kind of presence um, Dak Prescott is a, is a massive winner uh, from, the, from the draft from, for a guy to be drafted that wasn't expected to get to number 17 so um, Dak Prescott is, is the homer pick uh, Sean get your, just get your thoughts on, on the, the wide receivers there do you see any of them being a particular loser or winner? 
Um, well, I mean, obviously, you can imagine that CD Lamb's going to eat into target share that obviously pre-drafted. I don't think anybody had CD falling that low, did they? And everyone, you know, probably expects Dallas to go defensive side of the ball with that first pick. Um, obviously, you know, the gift fell as far as it did, and they obviously have, have took it. I'm the biggest winner out of it all. I know you've said Dak there, and that's obviously because he's now got you know further options to choose from. But the biggest winner might actually be Ezekiel Elliott in all of mm. this, in terms of. Um, you know, defence is not now being able to stack the box as much because there is the weapons on the outside. I think Michael Gallup took a big leap last year. Um, you know, you obviously watched him more closely than I did, but he certainly seemed to to come on leaps and bounds, um, certainly towards the back end of the season. Obviously, with Cooper there now as, you know, a true number one receiver on the outside, um, you know, to take the pressure away from Gallup a little bit. And, and I think C.D. Lamb will be another, um, you know, complementary piece. So it's certainly a loaded offence, it's always a little bit worrying from a fancy perspective when you have got you know three really good targets. Um, you know, obviously to figure out which one's going to be the main beneficiary. Um, you know, but um, you know certainly I think, as you said, Dak probably playing on the tag. Um, you know, so he's going to want to obviously have a monster year. Um, you know, everything is set right for him to, like you say, probably push himself up into those top few quarterbacks being taken. Mm, yeah, and then just to just add on all the wide receivers, obviously I did um, a piece on the website full10yards.com where you can find fantasy nightmares and obviously the Dallas wide receivers uh, was the first one on there and um, yeah, the, the, way, the way I see it playing out, I think uh, Michael Gallup's going to continue to be the ex-receiver on the outside. I mean, like I say, Sean, he, he came on leaps and bounds last season, 1,000-yard season. Um, and he'll continue to do so. But, you know, Amari Cooper and CD Lamb, I think, will alternate between the slot and, you know, or just move inside a tiny little bit and, uh, and the other one, obviously, on the other side uh, as well. So I think, I think you'll, you'll get a lot of movement and a lot of different looks uh, from the way these three line up. But I think Gallup will be mainly on the outside uh, with CD and, and Amari. Because uh, Amari Cooper does work better, kind of better out of the slot. He's kind of a, a really good slot guy to have. Um, but and, you know, one thing I do mention in the article as well about saying, you know, it's hard to know what receiver to pick from week to week obviously it's perfect for if you're any best ball teams uh if you if you're anyone out there does kind of best ball but if you, if you look at Dak's production last year and maybe say, say bring it down by 10 percent um to bring it say bring it down to 4,400 4,500 yards if you look at the the, the, the receptions and the yardage that's been vacated by Randall Cobb and, and Jason Witten, you could actually still probably get three wide receivers uh, hitting a thousand yards there. Uh, like I say, the, the headache is to, to know which one it is from, from any given week. But um, yeah, we've, we've not seen three wide receivers hit a thousand yards in one single team since 2008. So um, whilst it's hard to support three wide receivers uh, from a fantasy perspective, I, th- I suppose you draft them depending on the value. Now, at the moment, you've got <clears throat> Amari Cooper around two, Michael Gallup. Um, it's, it's probably around about round five, judging by um, Fantasy Football Calculator at the moment. But the way, the way I see Michael Gallup, it's actually pretty good analogies. You remember in Toy Story 1, when Woody gets put in the, in the, uh, in the treasure chest because Buzz Lightyear comes around. That's kind of what I see Buzz Lightyear, um, CD Lamb and, and Michael Gallup to be, whereas they're both still good toys. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they're both still good toys. It's just you've got to get you got to get Michael back, Gallup back out, back out of the closet. But uh, I was quite surprised actually to see Michael Gallup hold his hold his draft position at, at middle of round five. So uh, I don't know what to get. See any 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 love for that, James? I think it's about right to be honest. Is it's a very difficult? It's a difficult scenario. But when you look at Dallas's roster as a whole in terms of the depth chart. They really don't have a lot after number three. And obviously with Witten yeah. going and Blake Jarwin coming in, they have effectively five five people who were likely to receive the ball. So Zeke, 
Jarwin, and then the big three at receiver. So it it's no worse than many other positions in that you've still got five major targets. And I think many other teams you would say have got five major targets. It's just whether you'd maybe say that, you know, some more of them are tight ends, etc. Mm. Um, in terms of the way the lineup works, it actually works quite well for all three of them in Dallas, I reckon, because as you say, they are interchangeable on position. And Gallup's stock, to me, seems about right. I mean, you're probably going to want to draft whichever one lands lowest because you're probably going to get good production out of all of them. So whoever goes last is probably the one to grab. But whether that will probably still be Lamb at the moment just because he's unproven. But it means he's a, he's a pretty good addition. Considering, you know, we were saying about Ricky Josh earlier on, I've seen Lamb dropping quite low in round one, even into round two in some places, just because people see him as, oh, he's number three, he's not going to be particularly relevant, mm. um, not for a while. And then they're like, oh, I'll take that. Yeah. Uh, but then again, these are only mocks. Yeah, I, mean, I think there'll be a bit of disparity between leagues on you know, who the, the second Dallas wide receiver that comes off the board, say come draft time, uh, for, especially for redraft as well. You know, obviously, wide receivers will take a bit of time to come to the fore, but considering C.D. Lamb's attributes and the way, he, obviously, why he was drafted uh, in the first round, you, you get to think he gets involved pretty early on in, in Dallas as well. So, but like you say, yeah, it might be worth just seeing which the first two come off the board and then take the third one, maybe the, the same round or the round after because you're going to get value. But certainly one, certainly one for best ball as well because um, to say there's going to be a lot of yardage and a lot of targets to go around because this this offense is, is, is loaded. So, um, yeah, even if you, you, you swap out, you know, portion out 4,500 passing yards between five people, it's nine, 900 each, isn't it? So. Uh, on on average, you know, Black Jarwin. Let's not talk about my Black Jarwin shares. That they've uh, kind of they've taken a hit with CD Lamb. But there we go. Um, <laughs> we will we will move on. Um, Sean, any any NFL and uh, fantasy <laughs> football football winners for you? Um, well, well, let's keep it with signal callers. And obviously, we've just mentioned about a team there that's had an improvement in its wide receiving ranks. And the same can be very much said, obviously, for the the Las Vegas Raiders. Can't it? You know, three of their first four draft picks all wide receivers. Obviously, they had the pick of all of them at the number 12 pick and ended up with Henry Ruggs, um, which was a little bit of a surprise on draft night. I think most people thought Judy or Lamb would go there, but it was Henry Ruggs first off the board. Um, and then they then added a further two receivers in the third round, um, Lynn Bowden and Brian Edwards. I will be honest, I know nothing about those two other than that they play wide receiver. Um, so I'd probably default to Lee and the college boys for some info on them. But obviously, they've really bolstered the position um, and what it essentially means for Las Vegas is if you think about it this time 12 months ago Antonio Brown was there hmm. to be the number one receiver and Terrell Williams was being brought in for the to be the number two obviously with what happened with Brown it put Terrell Williams to the number one which we all know he's, he's obviously not it led to a good season for Darren Waller but obviously outside of that not a lot else um, you know so I think in terms of Derek Carr, he finished last year as the QB 14. He's always seemingly one of those guys you can almost stream from week to week, or he's certainly available at the very back end of, of drafts or certainly on the waiver wire. Um, he's fairly consistent when it comes to fantasy, you know, just looking at um, his points. He, he's, he doesn't really have any monster games, but he also doesn't really have any absolute disasters. He's always sort of in and around the sort of 15 to sort of 20 point mark week to week. Um, so he's, he's relatively consistent in that regard, but he'll obviously be looking to take a big step forward. Um, if you think back three or four years ago when the 
the Raiders made that run, um, you know, towards the playoffs. You know, mm. Cole finished that year, 268 fantasy points. And everyone was talking about him as, you know, a really good, you know, option. Um, last year, if I said, did Derek Carr have a good season? Most people would probably say no. He actually scored 244 points last year. Um, and I think that comes back to what I was just saying there about the fact that he's quite consistent with the way that he, he sort of um, operates. Mm. He's got certainly the weapons at his disposal. You know, Josh Jacobs coming back for year two as well. Um, you know, he was obviously a good addition to them last year. Um, Waller will still obviously be there at tight end and I think Foster Moreau, um, you know, he's a bit of an underrated second tight end as well. Um, you know, so I think, you know, he's got plenty of options there. Um, you know, whether he's going to, you know, all of a sudden jump up five or six spots, um, you know, from the QB 14 that he was last year, possibly doubtful um, based on, like I say, his career history. He's always been in and around the, you know, the sort of um, production that he's, he's had. Um, but, you know, certainly no excuses. He's obviously got Mariota now backing him up, so he's going to be on a bit of a short leash. But, you know, if you believe in Derek Carr, um, then, you know, he's certainly got all the potential there in front of him. Mm. Shout out to FF, uh, at FF Superflex Guru as well. He wanted to, a bit of Raiders talk on the podcast. So um, hopefully that fills you in on Derek Carr. But Derek Carr is an interesting one because you mentioned there, Sean, about how he doesn't have any big games. And that kind of is a, a testament to kind of his game. He's not a guy that's pushing the ball downfield. Um, so the selection of Henry Ruggs uh, was, was an interesting one because he's obviously a guy that goes down the field and wins. But um, you know, I've seen a lot of differing reviews on how well the fit there is for Henry Ruggs. But like I say, Brian Edwards, uh, who I think is actually a real, really good value in rookie drafts at the moment towards the back end of the second round um, in, for fantasy football especially in, like obviously in dynasty uh, Limbowden as well as, as, as you mentioned but you talk you know you talk about the whole the plethora of, of options that now that Derek Carr's got you have to say he's a winner in, in you know particularly in the short term because who knows this is kind of the, his last year potentially in Las Vegas isn't it before maybe Gruden brings in someone else or uh, like I say I don't for one second think that Mariota uh, takes over from, from Derek Carr he's obviously there to, to back up interesting move actually by Mariota to take the job there as, as a backup and I don't know if it was sold to him any different as it as if it would be like a, a camp battle or something like that but um, yeah very strange and obviously the, yeah, it's no secret between Derek Carr and uh, John Gruden's relationship as well but yeah it's, it's in the short term there car um yeah he's definitely one for for redraft leagues this year uh, and also in super flex leagues uh, for you as your qb2 would be a, is a perfect complement to, to maybe um you say like a, a dak prescott or a josh allen who can get you those higher scores for on a, on a weekly basis so uh, if that's obviously if you don't go big big at uh, quarterback but yeah no i, I like Derek Carr in the, in the immediate short term uh, but it could quite it could come crumbling down quite quickly uh, if things kind of don't go that way and he kind of still it pushes the ball very, very um, restrictively down the field. Uh, again, that's going to limit your your ceiling. James, any any words on on Derek Carr? Uh, the only thing I have is he has got a bigger set of weapons than he's had in quite some time. So you've got Ruggs, Terrell Williams. They signed Nelson Aguilar and Hunter Renfro had another year to develop. You've then got Waller, say Witten as well. <laughs> so he's not exactly got a shortage of weapons and you'd say that's probably been his biggest problem the last few years it's just been not particularly many people to throw to um, either through misdemeanor or just through missing mm. but um, he's finally got a supporting cast it's a bit of a shame that the relationship kind of went sour in many ways because this could be quite a bomb you know a pretty decent year for him so mm. I can agree with that it was QB 17 last year um, and looking at some of the people ahead, he has definitely got 
a case to be a top 12. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I say I like it. I think it'd be really good value. I say in most redraft leagues, he'll probably go undrafted. Um, so he could be kind of a candidate for early, wa- early waiver wire pickup to then maybe go and win you, uh, go and win you a, 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 a fantasy title. But um, just before we get to some losers, some other, some other guys in the full 10 yards that can obviously make it onto the podcast today throughout a couple of, another couple of names. And I just want to kind of, I just want to um, deliberate Denzel Mims because Rob says he's a winner. Um, but I think, well, He's a winner in respect respects that um, he's he's the only bugger there to be quite honest. Um, but he's at the Jets, and you know if you if you're being managed by Adam Gase, you you've gone to die when it comes to fantasy football, haven't you? Surely. Yeah, Adam Adam Gase offenses, well, teams in general, it's never a good place to go, even as a rookie. Um, Jamison Crowder, Brashad uh, Perriman, Josh Doxon, Denzel Mims. It's not going to scare anybody. Um, and with Sam Donald at QB, as long as he doesn't get mono again, um, try not to get to that club again, mate. But um, yeah, I don't, I, Mims is going to get fancy value because, he, as you said, he's the only guy there. But I, I agree. I don't think he's necessarily a winner because it, he's, a, he's only purely a winner because he's, he's a rookie who actually has a chance of being relevant from the starter. But that doesn't necessarily mean success. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want fantasy relevance, you get away from Adam Gase. You you know, just look at Kenyon Drake, look at Devontae Parker, look at Ryan Tannehill. I mean, there's there's one kind of um, common denominator there, isn't it? When in terms of poor fantasy or poor performance, is when you've been coached by Adam Gase. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see when Rob gets a chance to do a, a rebuttal, whether or not um, he thinks because he's obviously put Sam Donald as a winner as well, and I, I agree because they've they've drafted obviously Mackay Beckton, obviously, and um, you know they've had, added to the offensive line. Uh, during the draft and during the free agency as well. So, you know, in a way, Sam Darnold is a winner, but it'd be interesting to see uh, how much of a winner Denzel, Denzel Mims is. Um, okay, let's move on to some losers then. James, you've uh, you've gone for a running back for a loser. Yeah, and funnily, I've gone for a guy who doesn't even have a team currently, and that's why I still see him as a bit of a loser at the moment. That's the I'd, one I'd say that'd make him a good... Uh, I'd quantify him as a loser, to be fair, if he's not got a team. <laughs> well, there's, there's that, but it's... Simple fact that he's with after the draft, he's running out of places that he can sign for, and his value in terms of what kind of contract he can get is pretty much down to the minimum. Um, in, ter- in terms of you know landing spots for someone like Freeman, I'm actually struggling. Tampa Bay could think about it, but considering they've just brought in Brady and Gronk, I'm not sure they're going to fancy it. Um, I mean. Yeah, San Francisco will keep loading up on the running backs if they see it as value, but I don't see if they are going to give McKinnon another chance. I don't see him going there either. I'm just going trying to go by sort of rumours. And to be fair, if you type in Devonta Freeman and News together, uh, you yeah, don't get much. a lot of no. recent hits. No. There's not a lot <laughs> at all. So um, it could be a bit of, you know, if there's a chance, it could be game over for him. Or he's going to be one of those running backs who purely gets signed mid-season because Pittsburgh. someone's number one went down. Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't think we have the cap. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, I don't think we have a lot of things. Um, no. But, uh, I, I mean, I admit, if, if Connor goes down, it would be nice. And I would not say no. Mm. Um, and in many ways with Connor, it's more when, not if. But at the moment, um, I've got to, go behind my first namesake in James Connor just be- 
because he is given the leash. Devonta Freeman, the second coming of uh, DeAndre Williams. Um, okay, yeah, Devonta Freeman. Oh, obviously- <laughs> Devonta Freeman, clearly, obviously, a loser of the NFL draft because he's still not found himself a team. Uh, I'm going to move on to a- another quarterback that is a loser, and it is the Philadelphia Eagles backup quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Now, from a fantasy perspective, I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't understand why on earth ever you would even bother drafting him. I mean, it's just burning a hole on your bench. Um, I know he was drafted due to you know the issues Carson Wentz had with his with standing on the field over the last couple of years. But the thing is, if if Wentz stays healthy, he Jalen Hurts doesn't see the field for three or four years. Um, you know, the, the I can't see the Eagles going to trade him as a trade chip. You know, one or two years down the line for a QB needy team. Um, I can just see him rotting away on the bench three or four years time, and then by the time he's ever asked to come and do something, he might as well just be Josh McCown because. He's not. He's just going to sit on the bench. Like from from a fantasy perspective, don't draft him. Just don't, do not draft him. Even in Dynasty, what's the point? Um, yeah, looking at Carson Wentz's contract, the first real out on his contract is twenty twenty three. Played twenty. Played sixteen games last season, uh, and he only left the field because of the freak injury by the hit by Jadavia and Clowney. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts is a massive, massive loser for me for. From potentially being, you know, rumored to go to the Patriots or to go to some other, you know, to the Saints, uh, the back end of round two, he's he's wound up in the Eagles and literally has no fantasy relevance whatsoever. Even, you know, I I wouldn't even take a fifth round pick for him. Don't know if anyone, any of you agree. I suppose the only thing I'd say to that, mate, is you know, wherever he ended up, he was likely to be on the bench. I mean, I know you mentioned a couple of other teams, and maybe you're thinking he could have started there sooner. Yeah. Um, I know it's I know it's almost a little bit of a myth in terms of Carson Wentz and his injury problems. As you say, you know he was healthy all of last year, but I think there is always that niggling doubt in the back of people's minds. Um, you know he isn't the most durable. You know if you ask somebody to name you know the top ten durable quarterbacks, his name wouldn't come up in it. So I don't think he's completely lost. Um, you know in terms of of sitting on the bench, you know, he would obviously have been looking for an opportunity probably from somebody else's misfortune wherever he ultimately did end up, I suppose. Yeah, I, mean, I just think from my point of view, like you say, if he, if he ended up in New, New Orleans or New England or somewhere, you know, dare I say, you know, even in Pittsburgh, at least you have, you know, two years from now, you've got a viable path to, to starting start under centre. But, uh, you know, um, you know, Jalen Hurts from a fantasy perspective should, should be just waiver wire fodder. And then when Carson Wentz goes down, everyone rushes to the waiver wire to go and bid 80 percent of their fab for for Jalen Hurts. But I just don't see dynasty wise. I don't even see the point of it to be to be quite honest. So anyway, I, I thought he was um, he was he was a loser from the NFL draft in terms of fantasy football. So he could have had so many more better landing spots than than the one he got. So um, yeah, again, anyone out there that, that feels indifferently, feel free to add me at Tim underscore Monk F Tim Y. I don't think it's hard to take personally. Um, okay, John, <laughs> what's your what's your loser? Um, well, I'll probably share a couple of the um, what some of the lads who couldn't join us tonight have probably already called out in terms of you know, the sort of running backs that have now got some extra people in their committee. So, sort of Daryl Henderson, obviously from the Rams. You know, people expecting his workload to increase, and then obviously the Rams, you know, take another running back. Similar situation, of course, with um, Kansas City taking Edward Solaire at the back end of the first round and also Indianapolis, um, you know, so Marlon Mack. Um, obviously, whenever you're going to add extra carries and, you know, these guys, you know, are all coming in with huge potential. We know what the running back situation and position is like. 
it is very much, you know, rotate them every three to four years, isn't it? So, you know, Damian Williams, you know, I don't know what he seems in Lee needs to do to convince people that he is relevant. Um, you know, but again, his stock will take a battering now because everyone will be lumping in on Edwards Alaire, assuming that he's going to, you know, take a big bulk of the work away from him. I don't think he will personally. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, it was, it was a similar story last year, wasn't it? People thought that Shady McCoy and was it Darwin Thompson was it that was drafted yeah, last yeah, year? Yeah. Um, you know, it ultimately ended up being Damian Williams down the stretch, didn't it? So I think that will probably play out again. But, you know, I think you, you'll get some value from Damian Williams again because of that. Um, you know, so there's a few guys there that, you know, have probably lost out a little bit. Um, I think the other one that's probably a big loser in this is, is Aaron Rodgers as well. Um, you know, let's not keep banging on about the Green Bay draft. I think we've probably done that to death and everyone is probably in agreement that it was um, let's be politically correct and nice and say peculiar with the uh, <laughs> that they decided to take during the draft. Um, but obviously, you know, in such a deep wide receiver class, not adding any weapons whatsoever. Um, you know, Rogers, by his reputation, is still a quarterback that generally comes off the board. One of the first two, you know, maybe one of the first three. Now, if you sort of have Mahomes and Lamar Jackson with his obviously rushing ability in there as well. Um, you know, but Rogers is a name that always comes off early, but. I think people will start to sort of look away from him now and realise that you know he can't be Superman all the time. Um, I think you know there's probably an unhappy divorce on the horizon at some point there, the way it seems, um, and sort of the way the media are, are sort of discussing it. Um, so I'll probably put Rogers in there as a bit of a loser as well, carrying on the theme of quarterbacks from early. Yeah, he was he was certainly slipped down drafts, um, especially redraft leagues this year as well. So um, I obviously spoke to to Nick on the, on the NFL podcast Monday about uh, Aaron Rodgers and um, so yeah, maybe go go and check that out as well. But yeah, I, I think it's fascinating those three running backs rooms you, you mentioned there, the ones in Kansas City, Indianapolis, and and LA are, are, are going to be fascinating to see. Kind of that's going to be coach speak city, isn't it? Over the over the summer when we finally get to camps and and preseason as well. So um, obviously it's this time last season we're all clamouring over. Um, Darrell Henderson because of Todd Gurley's knees at the LA Rams wasn't it and uh, yeah, it didn't really pan out very much but yeah, yeah I, I did think it was quite interesting that obviously the Rams know what they've kind of got in Henderson and, and Malcolm Brown but yet they've still decided to go out and get uh, Cam Akers so um, probably the, the arrow is probably pointing up a bit more for Cam Akers than uh, you know but quite, quite a lot of people are split on that um, and say the, the other ones, Kansas City and Indianapolis, maybe a bit more straightforward in terms of uh, you know, there's a bit more draft capital in there. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, obviously, first off was a, was a bit of a luxury pick for Kansas City, but he'll be he'll be very popular. Obviously, he's going a lot of um, he shot up from what the middle of the first back of the first round of rookie drafts up to to 101, 102 in in most leagues. So obviously, he's a big winner because he's going first or second overall. So. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting to see how those those kind of three running back rooms rooms play out. Um, just before we we finish off though, there was one uh, there wasn't a kind of a, a direct NFL draft um, implication of of this backfield, but Matt Breda, um, he was obviously traded for a draft pick, so technically is a draft pick. Um, just wanted to kind of get uh, you know your opinions on on kind of that backfield. Do you reckon it's one that could be a tandem, like a you know like a, a Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman in Atlanta, or you know kind of Raheem Mostert and and the other guys there at San Francisco? Do you think that both can coincide and be fancy a decent fancy flex uh, option, James? Um, I, I I certainly can see Breeder becoming a bit of a flex option. I can't say I say the same for Howard, albeit that as a combination. Everyone always goes on about John Howard not being the greatest pass catcher, whereas Matt Breed has kind of made his mark from you know catching passes out of the backfield in San Francisco. So as a tandem, it could work quite well. 
Um, in reality, I'm not. I'm so. I'm. I'm more seeing Latavius Murray plus Jalen Rashard back in uh, Oakland a few years ago. <laughs> Both of them were one and two, and you would still never draft them because mm. they 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 just wouldn't you know put anything up. I can almost see it more as that as a comparison than Freeman Coleman. Interesting. I might put that as a vote because as I'm getting drawn into the to the Miami backfield because they could have easily spent a first or a second round pick on a running back because they and you know considering that the crop you know it's not it's not a bad it's, it's not a bad crop it's actually a fairly decent crop of, of running backs coming through but they decided to to part bypass running back on six or seven well pretty much well all their all their draft picks uh, to, and then pick a you know, invest a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick or whatever it was into into Matt Breeder so I think that that says to me that they quite like Jordan Howard as as a bruiser and then say. I think Matt Breeder would be a kind of a third down, a third down back pass cut there, um, play from behind kind of back and then the goal line do a bit of both because they can both. Jordan Howard's a really good, really good running back in the red zone. He he always punches the ball in. I think he's what third in. Uh, I think th- this is in my article as well on uh, that I did about fantasy nightmares. Jordan Howard has got some amazing stats. He's so undervalued and underrated. What the work he's done since he's been in the league is like third best in terms of rushing yardage or touchdowns or something. Um, since in the last three years and then Matt Breed is a really good compliment and I think they'll just work really well as a tandem I think it might be one for best ball uh, and it might be a bit of a say like a nightmare to, to try and do week to week in terms of trying to understand game scripts uh, knowing you know the Dolphins won't be as behind as much so Jordan Howard could actually have some positive game scripts with with Fitz and you know obviously they've got a better defense now so a really, really interesting backfield those two. And I say I'm getting a bit drawn into Jordan Howard, especially in standard leagues, not necessarily uh, to PPRs. But you can get. I think there's and there's a lot of people in leagues out there that are quite willing to get rid of those. So uh, I'm certainly going to be a buyer. I don't know, uh, Sean. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm not in a long game. I actually think it's one of the most underrated backfields now that you'll probably find. I think if you actually look at it from a statistical point of view. You know, Jordan Howard, as you've just said there, you know, he's he's done nothing really since he's been in the league, but be productive and continually be moved on, mm. which is a bit of a bizarre combination, yeah. really. Um, you know, he played 10 games last year, scored seven touchdowns. Um, you know, so he, you know, obviously knows how to get the ball in the end zone, as you say. You know, and again, you know, you want to go look at his career. He's, he's started um, 48 games, um, you know, he's got 30 rushing touchdowns, as as James said, not so many sort of through the air, he's only got two in his career, but, you know, 32 touchdowns across 48 games for a guy that, you know, isn't considered as, you know, in the top echelons, mm-hmm. if you like, of the, the running back position, it's certainly very good value. Um, and the same with Breeder, really, I mean, if you think back probably 12 months ago, Breeder was, you know, the darling of that backfield, wasn't he? Obviously, Raheem Mostert sort of took a little bit of the limelight away last year, but Breeder had sort of burst onto the scene the year before. Um, you know, and you know, again, I, I agree with you. I think they're a good complement to each other. Mm. Um, you know, certainly with, with Breeder, you know, more receiving ability, you would suggest. Um, you know, but I, I absolutely, you know, for what agree, you know, just, just talking purely NFL here and not fancy, I absolutely agree with the strategy that Miami of approach this week and I think they have found themselves with a very very nice backfield mm. um, and hopefully for the two guys they stick there because um, like I say all they've done is produce when given the opportunities 
Yeah, and absolutely. And I say it might be again the case of grabbing one in best ball uh, in the mid to late rounds, say because they'll free fall maybe a little bit because no one really wants to touch it. And but, you know, you look at what Jordan Howard did behind a, a poor offensive line in Chicago, and you know the yardage and the, and the touchdowns. I really like Jordan Howard, but uh, might get burnt by that one come this time twelve months. So we, we'll, <laughs> we shall see. But uh, let, let's know the players that you think are winners and losers from the draft from a fantasy perspective. Uh, if we get any in uh, at FTMY Fantasy, we'll maybe do another podcast. And look at some more uh, and talk about some more players as well maybe we'll talk about a few more wide receivers because we don't really talk to too much wide receivers in, in this one so we maybe we'll double up and, and do one very soon indeed just before we do get out of here though a couple of things to point your way uh, as mentioned throughout the podcast did a fantasy nightmares article up on the website full10yards.com go and check that out that's the first of a two-parter by yours truly covered some of the players in this one like say the, the uh, Miami backfield and also the Dallas Cowboys at wide receivers and a couple of articles obviously coming up uh, coming out NFL draft uh, winners and losers draft fallout articles as well there on the website go and check those out uh, it would be remiss of me not to mention the 14 yards competition that we currently go and ha- have going on at the moment go and see our pinned tweet at full 10 yards you can win yourself a very lovely uh, Dan Marino throwback uh, Miami Dolphins jersey uh, very if a jersey was ever worth winning that would be that would be one of them so you get a choice of two platinum or a lovely green one and then finally uh, NFL Shop Europe if you don't win the jersey you can go and buy it yourself uh, use the, the code full 10 and get 10% off there on absolutely anything uh, on that website but boys it's been, uh, been a pleasure it's been a bit different talking fantasy football with you Sean we usually uh, say get together and do a bit of NFL but uh, yeah it's been, been, been fun Thanks, mate. I've probably, uh, you know, produced absolutely zero relevant information, but I'll give it my best shot, mate, you know. Yeah, he told us all about Derek Carr. What more could you ask for on a podcast? Derek Carr, <laughs> Derek Carr talk, that's, that's why they come. I think we've talked more about Derek Carr than most of the podcasts have, to be honest. Put together, yeah. Um, no doubt I'll find myself and uh, drafted him as my QB2 at some point, but uh, there we go. That's for the offices and that's for some mock drafts and that. Anyway. But we're going to get out of here. Uh, I've been Timothy Lambert Monk. I've been your host. We will be back very soon indeed. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Sean. Cheers, mate. See you soon. And it's goodbye from James. Toot, toot. <laughs> it's goodbye from me. In the meantime, in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye-bye for now. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.